Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, I am joined by Anna Crow, and Anna and I met online, uh, I'm sure like a lot of people do, but it wasn't online dating. It was for similar passions around leadership and authenticity. Uh, Anna, by day, is the CEO and founder of a PR firm based in San Diego, Crow PR, and she is also the author of a book entitled Get Real, and that is really the focus of our content today. Uh, it's been great getting to know you, Anna, and realizing how much we have in common. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But one thing we discovered today is we share the same birthday. Now, it's not time to wish you happy birthday, but it's great to be connected to a, a fellow Libra. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to chat about leadership and authenticity and all, all the things you mentioned. Such an important topic right now, given everything going on in the world and the stress and strain on even existing leaders, people that have been in leadership roles forever uh, are feeling new challenges in terms of motivating, inspiring uh, their teams, which which we'll get into. Um, but there's also new leaders, and that was really the genesis of your book. Um, would love to hear, you know, that that kind of origin story to what made you decide one day, hey, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna write a book on leadership, on transparency and culture and authenticity. How'd that come about? Uh, yeah, thanks so much for asking. I, um, you know, it's really interesting. I always thought about writing a book, right? I, I think as just a creative or an entrepreneur, you have a lot of ideas. And actually, I've taken a strength finder several times to see if I would have other strengths emerge. And I always found that ideation was one of my strengths. So I have no shortage of ideas. 99% of them are not great, but every once in a while, you have a good one, right? And so I thought about it over the years. I'd love to write about something. And about three years ago, it really um, struck a chord with me, the the topic of authenticity. And I started thinking about it more and more. and, And also having spent 20 years in corporate American agency life, you know, I've been a part of a lot of different cultures and seen a lot of leadership styles. And so I noticed this pattern over the years that I really started thinking about a couple of years ago, and that was that a lot of young managers, um, you know, they get promoted, people in their late 20s, early 30s, is when you get to that more managerial level in your career. And a lot of these managers don't really get any tools or tips or tricks or training of how to be a manager. All of a sudden, they're promoted, you know, perhaps because they've done an amazing job doing the tactical things that they do, or it was time or people didn't want to lose them for whatever reason they were growing in the company. And now they have someone to oversee. And so in their new job, they said, okay, you've got one employee or two employees, or maybe you're now running the department. And when that shift happens, a lot of young people you know, who don't have years of experience are not quite equipped to lead, Right. Um, and so I start thinking about, okay, so what, what am I seeing? What have I seen in my career? And what I've seen is a lot of people just leading inauthentically because they had no idea what to do. And so they would mimic or replicate their managers because that was the only thing that they were familiar with. And it was A, inauthentic, and B, it just wasn't really effective because you weren't building a connection. You weren't forming a relationship or creating trust. You were just flexing your muscles and saying, I manage you now. And therefore, you must do what I tell you to do. Mm-hmm. And that was very inauthentic, right? And so 
that was the premise of my book and kind of the um, the impetus for it is thinking, okay, what can I talk more about this topic from a managerial standpoint? And then it started developing into, well, what about life in general? You know, are we all doing what we're really designed to do and what makes us happiest? Are we living authentically? Um, and then, of course, the last two pieces of the book are about corporate culture and um, brand authenticity, which obviously you know, resonate really well with me having built a company and then also focusing on creating authentic brands. Um, so that was kind of the starting point and then it evolved a little bit. And, and now I find this topic being really relevant with, I'd say, all the population because it's such an important and critical discussion um, and a way of life. Well, it's, it's great that you put it together. When, when I was doing my um, searching online, and, and again, for folks, this is uh, Anna's book, Get Real, is a number one Amazon bestseller, and probably no reason, no, no surprise then when I was doing some searching on the topic for some blog posts that I was working on that I, that I came across the book. As I dug in and got to know Anna, uh, we both found out that we've been members of uh, entrepreneur organizations. Anna's a um, board member and, and part of entrepreneurs organizations, sometimes called EO. Uh, and I've been a m- uh, member of Vistage for over seven years, which is a, an organization that, that you go to a monthly meeting and it's a peer group of fellow CEOs, and you talk about leadership and many other topics relating to entrepreneurship and running a business. And you also have a one-on-one coach that helps you. Uh, and and really, as you said, the reason I joined, uh, even though I, I joined rather late in my career, is I like to be a constant student. And running an organization, especially being a CEO, CEO was a new role for me 13 years ago. It's one thing to be a leader of a department or of a team. It's another thing to lead an entire organization and even another thing to work on becoming a thought leader in a given discipline. Uh, so I found, you know, thank you for sending me a copy of the book, Anna, and I'd like to think that, that I'm always authentic. And I always found that my transparency, my style, I wondered, is that a strength or a weakness, and um, would love to get your perspective because I find that I was talking with a, let's call it a relatively new manager, someone who's been managing a team rather early, recently, and 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 now early in his career. And some people experience that um, imposter syndrome, right, where they get put into a role. They were the smartest person in the room before or had a specific subject matter expertise that led them to a position. And now they find themselves in a new field of play where they're not the smartest person or the most experienced person. And I'm sure a lot of people who have read your book or went out and sought your book and looking for ideas like, should you be transparent as a leader? What, what makes good leadership? And like you said, we didn't, maybe we got some of it from our parents and maybe we got some of it from leaders along the way. And I, I think most people are not good leaders. I don't, you know, my experience, uh, it's not like there's a tremendous amount of great leaders uh, in businesses that I have been part of. There's there's the A's, there's some B's, and there's a lot of C's, D's, and I'm sure we've all worked for the D's, D's and E's. What are your what are your thoughts in terms of you know transparency, which which is making yourself vulnerable and saying, I don't know, I don't have an answer for you, or being transparent in other ways in terms of just being very open? Yeah. Um it's a great question. I think for everyone, I mean, you said it, it's, authenticity is an interesting topic and it's hard to be transparent and authentic 100% of the time. You know, you, you really have to have a um, high level of self-awareness, which plays into your emotional intelligence of, okay, am I being 
myself or am I trying to mask something? And there are many situations in life where it's a lot easier to put a mask on than be vulnerable and be authentic. Um, so I think it's definitely a, a really important topic. And um, I'm a fan of difficult conversations, which are also, you know, a lot of people are, don't like difficult conversations. Let's just bury it under the rug. I don't want to hear negative feedback. I want to know I'm doing a great job. So just keep it to yourself, right? There's, there's that um, a relationship that sometimes happens or often happens in, um, in a professional environment. But I probably, and, and maybe similarly as you are, I have a high tolerance for difficult conversations because I don't think we can get to the bottom of anything or solve anything unless we're being authentic and genuine. And I always think people may not always love what you have to say, um, but you've got to create trust and you've got to create that rapport that they understand that it's coming from a, a right place and a good place. And it's in the spirit of challenging you in the spirit of pushing you to be better because that person that may be giving you that transparent feedback and having that authentic conversation believes in you. But in order to get to that place, you've got to strip the layers and you've got to be vulnerable. Um, and, and it's interesting, you know, the word vulnerability is pretty hot topic now. I mean, Brene Brown um, has a lot of different um, episodes on this topic. And something I've been thinking about a lot lately is, well, what's your, what's your um, tolerance for vulnerability? What is, and, and what's that right level of being vulnerable enough, but also being a leader? Because as leaders, we also have to sometimes show up and be inspiring when we don't feel like it. And we've got to lead our teams when times are tough and put on a brave face. But we also have to find that balance of saying, look, I don't have the answer. I don't know, but we're going to figure it out together. So it's just a really interesting balance. And, and I think, again, it goes back to self-awareness. You have to understand yourself. You have to know yourself. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I'm also a, an eternal student. If I could just be in school all the time and learn while working, I'd love that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's so interesting to pick that up. And similarly, I love being a student of myself. And I think we all need to be students of ourselves and understand what our, um, what our, uh, like I said, comfort levels are with vulnerability, with authenticity and, um, and change and pivot as needed. Well, let's dive into some of the recommendations and, and direction that you give folks in the book, a little trailer, if you will, because there was such great advice, a book that I wish I had discovered you know, earlier in my career and, and one that I obviously was um, so impressed by that I wanted to share it on the, on the podcast. Um, let's talk about vulnerability. I remember an experience. It was the company's uh, seventh year. And it was our anniversary and we were on the rooftop in San Francisco, you know, back in the days when you could go outside, right? Um, so this was a while ago. We're 16, 13 years now. This was our seventh year. We called it Lucky Seven. And we were on the rooftop. I had my entire team. It was a whole company offsite. And we're all on the roof. And um, I was getting, you know, the, the, the cake was coming out and the candles were lit. And it was a celebration of anniversary. And some of the members of the team got up on the microphone and just shared a few of their sentiments about the business and, you know, directing to me before I grabbed the microphone. And when I did, Anna, the moment I grabbed the microphone and went to speak, I started crying. And mm. it was such an emotional moment for me. Uh, and we've seen, you know, the strongest men in the world get in front of a camera or a microphone, whether it's after a, a Super Bowl victory or some type of award and recognition. And I had never gone through that. And all of a sudden this just wave of emotions came over me and I was very caught in the moment. 
and it was interesting. I mean, I just just let it go and took a moment, composed myself, uh, and then shared what I share with the team. And for so many people that had like never, that we had employees in the company that were had never met me face to face before, and and came and talked to me afterwards and said, God, it's so apparent how much you care about all of us and care about the organization. And I thought that that always came through, whether it was a company all hands meeting or when I onboarded them or whatever. But for some reason, being in the physical presence of each other and for them seeing their CEO well up and just have this emotional moment, um, maybe changed perception or, or even, even elevated. But I had to be vulnerable at that point. And it wasn't conscious. It wasn't intentional. I guess that's what authenticity is all about. But I was caught up in it. And then I had another experience that I want to throw your way, which is delivering bad news. You know, not every day in a company's journey is going to be filled with good news. Sometimes you lose a client or you have an employee that you care about that left or something dramatic happens. We almost had one of our employees who had a heart attack, um, you know, just make it through that. And so I found like, and as a leader, like there's one gap that I absolutely have is I don't have a lot of experience delivering bad news. I'm putting bad news in the mm-hmm. in the category of it's not a good news. It's not something to celebrate about. And I find that really, really hard. And so it's, you know, even at, uh, you know, 30 plus years in my career, there's experiences that I go through that are, that are new for me. So if you could share some of the advice you have, I think for listeners, it would be so useful for them to just hear some of your sage advice as they approach either new leadership or like myself, learning things about themselves and, and areas of development. That's such a great story. And, and I bet even thinking back to that evening on the rooftop, you probably still get some emotional connection and chills. I mean, I, even I got a little bit emotional hearing that because I agree, uh, sometimes the level of caring is so high and you don't have time to sit there and process it at all times because you're busy and you're taking care of people and you're taking care of clients and you're taking care of your business and your family and all these other things. And then when you have a moment where you can step back and appreciate all the things, it can really, you know, choke you up. Um, and I've been there, you know, I, my speeches oftentimes have to go really short. <laughs> if I give myself a lot enough time, a lot of time, I can get pretty emotional myself. And typically I come off as a strong leader, but there's a joke around my tiny tear ducts because anytime I do start crying, I always blame it on my tiny tear ducts. I'm like, it's mm. not me being emotional. <laughs> I just have very tiny tear ducts. No, it's you being Um, emotional, right? Yep. (laughs) Yep. But yeah, and I think you bring up a really good point of just being human. And and that's definitely one of the tips I have and showing that vulnerability and showing that passion and and what authentically um, something means to you is really important because that's how people can understand you. And if you're always being robotic, you know, and trying to put on a a facade, you're never going to let anybody in and no one's really going to see you for who you are. So I think that's an important thing because that's what people really want to connect with. And that's people want to see you as a human. Um, so th- that's definitely my first tip. Um, I would say another really great habit when cultivating authenticity is just being consistent. Um, you know, obviously we want to, um, to, to let people in to a certain extent and we don't want to surprise people right. and go back and forth on who we are. Um, you know, I have a joke in the book that if you're a jerk, embrace your inner jerk, own it, but be consistent. You know, don't say one thing, do another. Um, I had experienced one at a, at a former place of business uh, that 
you know, I'd come into the office and I was a younger manager at the time. I'd come into the place of business and have a lovely conversation with my boss. How was your weekend or how was your evening? How was your morning commute? Fantastic. You smile, you get your coffee, you go back to your desk. And I opened up my email to three passive aggressive emails that went out right after our conversation. And I said, well, hang on a second. Didn't we just have a lovely chat? Why didn't we just discuss some of those things then? It was very inconsistent. Um, so if you're a kind person and you want, you know, and you want to be a kind leader, do it. There's nothing wrong with that. People know where you stand with them. And similarly, if that's not your style, I'm not saying that's not the right style, but if that's not your style, you know, let people know where they stand with you and be consistent about how you treat them and what people can expect from you. Um, so those would be my, uh, the first couple. Yeah. Let's hit those two a little bit. Cause I've got, I've, and then yeah. well, let's keep going with the tips. The human one, you're using the story that I, that I uh, share with you about the company event that taught me a very valuable lesson about being prepared and know, you know, th- when you're in a situation like that, that's going to be emotional, how you might react. And so it's interesting that your first tip, which is be human, which great advice. And then you put yourself in situations where you're challenged there. And I'll give two examples. One is when my daughter got married and I knew as father of the bride that I would need to give a talk and any public talk you ever give is a leadership moment, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're in elementary school or whether you're at your daughter's wedding. And I knew the sentiments that I would share about now my son-in-law uh, and the story that I was going to tell. And the this, this story was around, you know, hey, Alex, everyone would always ask me uh, when you started dating Emily, how I felt about you. They said, do you like him? And that's the question I would get. Actually, I asked, I asked the audience, I said, what's, what's the question you all asked me? And, and people said, do you like him? And I said, exactly. You know, do I like you? And then guess what? Once you guys got engaged, I got another version of the question. So I'm up there storytelling. And the next version of the question was, you like him, right? Like it was more like, holy shit, Dave, your daughter's about to get married. Like you do like this guy. And then I knew, you know, kind of, you know, I, I had written out the talk and, and I said, so Alex, I think it's time publicly that I share how I feel about you. And whether I, it's time to answer that question in front of everyone. And then, you know, people ask, do I like you? And if I stood up here and said that I like you, I, I wouldn't be telling the whole truth. And the truth is that I love you. And I knew based on what I wrote, like, that's going to be a moment for him, for my daughter, for me and for everyone. So I made sure that I said it and practiced it out loud so my body and mind could hear me say it. And even still in that moment, you know, it was emotional. Now I kept it together, which was great, but I wanna come back to this point that you gave, which is you have to be human. And if I delivered it in a script, in a way in which that humanity was gone from it, I would never have been able to get the point that was so important. And by doing it in a very, you know, humanitarian and caring and loving way, it brings on those emotions and, and it's a balance. And to contrast that, when I've made videos before, if I wanna make a happy video, no problem. I can do it like one take, no edits, boom, done. But when I've had to make videos that are more difficult news, um, I'm really stretched there because if I write the script out and try to deliver it word from word, like a bad news uh, script, 
super challenging for me to do it. And then if you read it, or if you just read it off like a script, you don't sound like a human. And you're not, to your second point, you're not consistent. That's not Dave's normal speech pattern. That's not his talk pattern. So I think it's really important, those two tips, like to think about when you're going to be in those situations when you're, let's say you're having a difficult discussion with one of your employees and you've been a certain way with them, but now you have to act as this different person. Well, you don't have to act as a different person. Think about how you're going to show up there. So I, I, you know, when I started reading the book and I started reading your tips, I'm like, I experienced that here. Wish I had read this before here and, and, and those. So, <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you for putting those together. What were some of the other tips that, um, you think are just the highlights for us, us to learn as lessons? Sure. No, awesome. Thank you. And thanks for sharing that. Um, I, some of the other tips I had is just you know, making sure you stand behind your word. So if you say something, then then stand behind it. Um, it it's kind of one of those things about going back to self-awareness is being realistic about your capabilities and, uh, and really just not faking it, not putting things in some sort of a um, a layer and it's just doing what you, you know, saying what you, what is it? What's the phrase doing what you say, mm-hmm. say as you do. <laughs> um, it's really just understanding what your capabilities are and, um, uh, and, and coming through for people. Um, so in a leadership environment, I suppose an example would be, you know, you, you may be having a conversation with someone uh, and they're looking for a promotion and you're telling them for months, it's coming, it's coming when you have really no intention of doing it, but you're trying to keep them on a hook. Yep, no worries, it's coming, give it another few months. And then you're not really setting the right tone. You're not really setting the right impression. This person's hopeful and optimistic because they have some trust in you, but you're not really intending to carry that through. So what's going to happen with that person, they're going to lose faith and they're probably going to leave the company and look somewhere else, right? Because you're, they found that you're not being true to your work. Now, obviously situations change, business environments change, the economies change. So I'm not saying you've got to do everything at, at the same time, but um, which is why you have to step back and be realistic. What's feasible? What can I promise? And then if you do make right on it, and if you can't be transparent about why you can't make right on it. So the same example I just mentioned, so maybe the economy turned, maybe you lost clients, maybe something else transpired. Let's have a conversation and set a new plan in motion because we have the trusting relationship and you know I'm going to do right by you because I've, t- I've shown time and time again that I will make right on my word. Um, so that, that'd be another one. And then we kind of mentioned on this already, but knowing that it's okay not to know, you, you don't have all the answers and that's a strength when you can tell someone. I think in the CEO position, as you mentioned, that is the hardest job of all because you've got a lot of different people underneath you. You don't really have a playbook. No one's been above you in this level, right? Maybe former CEO, sure, if you've got if you've been in a different corporate environment, but you still have to figure out your own way to lead, and uh, and the, it's very dynamic. So I think a lot of times people look at a CEO and say, "Oh, they must know everything." Well guess what? Every day, figure something else out or don't have an answer. So just being cognizant of that, no matter what your position is, or even in life, in the relationships that you have, it's okay not to know. We can figure it out together, or I'm going to go back to the drawing board and figure it out. Um, But you can't fake it because otherwise you lose all credibility when people realize actually he or she didn't know what the answer, even though they claimed that they did. It's it's empowering. It's it's difficult for a lot of people to say I don't, those words. I don't know, and there's other ways to say it to to soften it if it's difficult. And I would I would suggest to people like if that's an area that you need to work on, then find a different phrase set that's more comfortable for you. But but be vulnerable and allow that because you know to your point, uh, 
people as leaders, especially CEO, we don't have to be the smartest person in the room. In fact, we shouldn't be. We should hire people that are far smarter than ourselves. Um, you know, a coach of a football team isn't the best quarterback, isn't the best receiver. You know, they're the coach. That's their role is to coach, inspire, lead, direct the team, but let the team play and bring their knowledge. Mm-hmm. I had a call with uh, Sydney on my team today. We launched a service called uh, Marketo Admin Services to our clients, and she's one of the people that delivered that service. And so my conversation with her was, because I was essentially like the acting product manager on it, and, and, and I uh, have this dialogue with her so that she gives me feedback about the service and the service delivery. And, and I have to let her know, like, we, you, know, you, you invent these services using the best knowledge and experiences that you have, but until you actually bring a service to market and learn, uh, you you evolve it, and so it made sure that she knew. Like, don't expect us to have all the answers, and me to have all the answers. I want to learn from you how things are going and how we should shape uh, the service. You you talked about being consistent and uh, being dependable and allowing yourself to be vulnerable and and not know these things. What would you say for you, like in your leadership journey? What are some of the areas or an area that you're still working on? Um, that's a great question. I was just reading Multipliers recently. Uh, have you read that book? No, I've not. Mm-mm. Okay, so I recommended, um, I, and I read that in December, I believe, this year. And I actually had my entire leadership team read it because what's really great about that book is it identifies different leadership styles and um, helps you fine tune your leadership style by knowing where are the areas where you think you're crushing it and doing an awesome job but in fact, you're being a detractor. Mm. Um, so for instance, I, as I mentioned, I love ideas, all things, ideas, bring it. I'll be in a part of any brainstorm, even though if it's, people don't want me there, I'll be there. I just <laughs> love it. Um, but what happens with that is, you know, I'm impatient as well. I'm a New Yorker and I'm a Russian person. So I've got very low levels of patience sometimes. And I know that, and I'm working on that. That's a whole other issue. But what I find is sometimes I come into a meeting and immediately I'll jump into, I got, oh, you know, we'll do a brainstorm with the team. I got this idea. What about this? Have we thought about this? And what I realized over the years is people then just know, well, you know what? Anna's going to cover some ideas. Mine are probably not going to be, you know, heard because she's going to come up with a bunch of them. So why even bother? And, and I noticed that I didn't really leave a lot of space for others because I was just so excited about the fact that we were coming up with really cool ideas. And so that's something I really learned about myself and have worked on. And so in the book, she has this really cool tactic, which I've been using, is pretend like you have, if if that's one of your detracting qualities, if that's a quality that's preventing others from being successful, which is exactly what I'm doing, I'm preventing someone else from coming up to the table with a great idea because I'm taking the lead on that. So pretend you have three poker chips in a meeting and you can only use three and that's it. And every time you speak, you lose a poker chip. And I have these poker chips in my head now every time I'm in a meeting because, and my, and my team jokes, because they're like, how many poker chips did you bring? Mm. <laughs> I say, only three. <laughs> because at first I'm like, I'm allowed 50 poker chips for the record because they've all read the book. And they're like, ha ha. And they know this, right? And they know that I'm okay with this thing that I have and I'm, I'm aware of it. So I'm working on it. And, um, and that's been a kind of a cool thing. So, it goes back to self-awareness and understanding. And, and I think books help a lot, right? Because of the whole studious approach to life. I want right. to learn more. I crave more. Yeah. But what that helped me identify is 
gosh, I think I'm really good in these areas of leadership, but in fact, I may be preventing from someone else, someone else from becoming a better leader because I'm being too much of that leader. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's an interesting realization for that's me. Definitely something that I had to work on myself and still work on, which is, you know, don't speak first. In fact, in all of my mm-hmm. team meetings, I make it a point that I'm the last one. And so even if there's not time in the meeting for me to go, at least I got to hear from my leadership team. But I, I sit there and I listen and I take notes. I love the poker chip um, idea, by the way, and I will definitely grab a copy of Multipliers. <laughs> Early in my career, I, I grabbed the One Minute Manager, which is, <laughs> I call it the crap sandwich. You know, that's where that's where I learned, you know, that <laughs> technique, which is say something positive and then they give the constructive feedback and close out with something positive. And again, I don't think I nicknamed mm-hmm. it. I'd, but uh, I've read John Maxwell's books on leadership. I liked Jim Collins' book on the five levels of leadership. And you touched on yeah. that earlier, which is, you know, when you get the title, you're their boss, but you're not their leader. They don't see you as that way. You're just their manager and you have the title and you really have to earn that. And John, uh, Jim breaks out all those different levels uh, and level five being, which is where I am certainly with some people is I've developed leaders uh, underneath me. Some really great books. I read How to Be a Great Boss. I like the small little bite-sized management book so that you can either read a chapter of it or read the whole thing and get something from it. And then, of course, programs like Vistage and E&O have taught uh, us so much about it. Let's talk about the current state that we're in and and bring it home to a lot of my listeners uh, who are in marketing and in sales. So right now, it's probably one of the most difficult times in people's career to be selling and to be marketing. For the marketers out there, we all need to be very uh, empathetic to one another right now. Marketing has never been pushed uh, as hard as it's being pushed right now, sustained day after day after day. And you're probably feeling that all the work that you're doing and as hard as you're working may not be seeing the results that you typically get from get on it. So you're working harder and there's less results and you might feel defeated because it's not a great time for a lot of organizations have put budget constraints. And so it's it's not a great time to be um, it's, it's, it's a great time to be marketing. It's always a great time to be marketing, but it's a challenging time to be marketing and you're probably not getting the response. The same thing in sales right now, right? Sales cycles have slowed and delayed. Budgets have been put on hold. Mm-hmm. So two departments that are responsible for growth and companies are suffering right now in their growth, although I think we're starting to turn the corner. What advice do you have for the leaders of departments? And you don't need a title to lead, but what, what advice do you have for people that are trying to lead and inspire their teams uh, and keep them moving, keep them going, knowing that they're maybe feeling defeated right now. Yeah, it's been really hard to see a lot of organizations cut their marketing departments and uh, either furlough their employees or you know cut them out altogether. And obviously, that's the direct effect of consumer behavior and the social distancing orders and the you know flight restrictions and all of these things. So it's it's been quite a challenging time, of course. Um, and I agree with you. I think we are on the upside. I, the only you know, question marks still remain are just the, the dynamics of the reopenings, right? Um, however, I've also seen some brands and some companies really thrive during this time uh, by utilizing some of their um, strengths and connecting with their customers. Because you and I both know there's never a bad, uh, a wrong time to connect with and engage with your customers and show them value, right? You may just have to shift a few things. You may not be promoting your products in a certain way. You may be uh, coming up with new products or offerings. So there, there's going to be a dynamic um, atmosphere on that front, but there's never a bad time. 
from a leadership standpoint, I think it boils down to your culture and the culture you want to cultivate in your organization. Even if you're not the CEO, if you're a member of a you know, Fortune 500 company or a startup and you're a leader of a department, two people, 10 people, whatever, it doesn't matter the number of the people you're leading, or 50 people, 100, um, your department um, can have its unique culture and hopefully ties to the culture of the organization. Um, obviously, it all starts from the top, as you and I know. It starts with leaders. And um, we have to get creative right now of how we inspire our teams, how we lead through change, and how we um, show up every day. And we've got to be aware of not just how we're feeling, but how we're coming off to others. Um, you know, I, I was telling um, one of my employees the other day, you know, the first week was a really tough week for everyone. It was a very tough week for our agency because a third of our business is in hospitality. Mm-hmm. Well, where's hospitality today, yeah, right? right? Very, um, that industry took a huge um, uh, hit and as did we because that's a third of our business. And if I were to crawl into a hole that week and uh, not show up, that would have been tough on my team. It was already tough on my team. So mm-hmm. it was important that me, I as a leader, as well as the leaders, other leaders in my organization, um, had a plan and knew how to show up and, um, and also balance that, as I said, that strength with vulnerability and be transparent. Because another big thing is to, to communicate, over-communicate to your employees, right? So I think it boils down to that communication and being transparent, like, you know, we're having a great week or this happened, it's tough, or this person may have had to be laid off, um, you know, and, and here's what's happening as well as balancing the positive. We got this approval or we got this new client or this is happening. You've got to have that dialogue um, open because it, it removes uncertainty to some degree, which helps people function better. And some people were paralyzed and fear from this whole experience. So how can you help them you know, uh, go in the opposite direction and be more confident. Um, another thing is making sure you're finding ways to um, connect and engage um, and, and motivate. So, for instance, we've done some, um, we call them Grow with Crow series. We, we brought in our typical leadership um, expert who's worked with us for a couple of years in person. We, you know, moved into Zoom calls with her and did these sessions around change management and leading through change and productivity and offering tips and sharing tips on how we're staying productive. Um, and then being flexible. You know, the, what I found through this experience personally is that my energy levels are different now throughout the day than they were before. I'm definitely morning person, right? So I wake up 5.30, boom, immediately my brain goes on and I crank through my work. That's the first thing I need to do. That's my routine because I'm really productive. I'm fresh. I have full of ideas. I know I talk about them a lot, but I'm full of just energy for the day. And I want to get a big chunk of my day done before the real day begins. So, but then come two in the afternoon, perhaps I may need a break. So at, at the office, I probably wouldn't have taken a break. I'd just eat through my lunch, maybe take a meeting, lunch meeting, et cetera, and, uh, or, you know, or, or get on the road to go meet with a client or a partner, et cetera. Here, I realized I've had to change some behaviors. I might need to go for a walk to re-energize. And, and being okay with your employees doing the same and knowing them knowing that it's okay to shift some of their um, workday to better fit their current schedule, their energy, their productivity, et cetera. Um, and then again, of course, that also boils back to um, transparent conversations and, and them not being scared 
of being penalized for anything they're doing differently and them being okay with coming to you or to their management, their leaders and saying, here's what I need. Here's what I don't need. Here's what works for me. Um, so I think, I think now is an especially critical time to lead with transparency and finding ways to motivate and finding ways to inspire and, um, and connect on a human level today more so than ever before. It's, it's great advice. Yeah. And I don't know if you experienced this when you would drive to your E&O meetings, uh, or EO meetings, I should say. And I would go to my Vistage meetings that like the drive back from that meeting or even the lunch break, like taking the point is I, I got to underscore like five times and highlight it from what you said is you have to step away from your work and what you're in mm-hmm. to become a better leader, to even becoming mm-hmm. a better employee or a better husband, or a better wife, or a better mother, a better father. You have to step out of the environment that you're in and the stress and strain that you're in to get clarity. You also have to open up conversations like this and, and be vulnerable to find out your gaps. Um, I know some people who take bike rides in the morning, take long bike rides, and think about and clear their head. I know people who exercise or take walks or you just lay on a couch. But you actually have to shut off. No phone, no YouTube, no mm-hmm. TV, know anything. You got to really turn off the noise. And, and sometimes that's been for me and on a flight where, you know, there's no Wi-Fi and, and you put the laptop away and you just stare at the back of the headrest and you, you think about your role and what you're doing and think about what you need to change and then realize that those to habits, as you call them, like to form those new habits, you really have to work on it. It's not going to come just naturally uh, sometimes to to become a great leader and to develop those new habits. But the key is you got to step away and and you know, be introspective and and think about the future and, and where things are at. If you just try to like work hard and work hard and put in your 50, 60, 70 hour work week and think you're going to work yourself out of the situation you're in, stepping out is mm-hmm. is the best way to uh, to do that. You also talk in the book about yeah. a, a concept I had never heard about brand authenticity uh, and given your role and leader of Crow PR, would love for you to, to share some of the ideas that you did there because, again, that was a new concept to me and, and we all, you know, besides our own personal development, we're working um, at our companies and some of us who own our companies or even in a department, I think it's, I've always encouraged people to have a brand and a culture within their department. So how do you establish authenticity at the brand level? Yeah, and, and when I speak about it in the book, it's um, obviously from a company standpoint, right, um, as well as personal branding, because in today's digital you know, world with social media and Instagram and TikTok and all these things, there are a lot of personal brands that emerge and everyone's got their own personal brand um, online and offline. And so I talk about that a little bit. And, and then, of course, the companies, um, whether you're a startup, like I said, or, or a Fortune 100 or 500, um, to me, it's really the extension of your vision and mission. It's who you are as a brand, um, why you exist, what value are you um, serving and what you're bringing to your customers in the world, and making sure that it continues to be consistent. So following those very similar habits. Um, you've got to be human to some level as a brand too. And even in the midst of this pandemic, how many companies did we see really um, utilize their uh, philanthropic arm and say, listen, philanthropy is a huge part of our core values and our brand mission and vision. 
And now we want to be more vocal about it. We want to, now's our opportunity to really amp it up in, in philanthropy, especially if maybe other things are shutting down a little bit or being sl- or slower, you know, whether it's uh, retail presence, et cetera. So it's really that extension of the, the brand vision and, um, and making sure that you are cultivating those habits. You know, a lot of brands may say, oh, we're sustainable. Sustainability is hot. We got to all be sustainable. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So what, what are you actually doing, though? Well, you know, we, we work from home Friday, so we don't drive to work. So it's, technically, we're saving the carbon footprint. Well, I wouldn't really put your hat on that as a sustainable <laughs> brand. Um, you know, that's great. And that's a cool thing for your perks and for your corporate culture. Fantastic. I'm sure people love that. And in fact, we do that, but I wouldn't call that a sustainability pillar. So if you're going to, you know, be, if you're going to have a message and a, a clear brand uh, voice and a clear brand uh, mission, make sure you're, you can actually walk the walk and talk the talk, as I yeah. said. So very similar habits, but just as they relate to brands. And um, nowadays, it's so easy for people to do research on a company, right? And so if you're going to be an authentic in uh, whether it's on your website, social media, or articles or advertisements, people are going to catch on. And then it's very easy to lose brand credibility. Right. In fact, you know, public relations is all about building, maintaining, and protecting your reputation. Well, when you do something inauthentic and it confuses and it creates some weird, you know, um, distrust, you're, you might as well start over. You might as well co- create a new company or brand um, because then that, all that momentum that you've built is lost. I like uh, Amy's quote, Amy Poehler's quote in the book that you put uh, in one of the chapters. You said, you attract the right things when you have a sense of who you are. Uh, Amy said, you attract the right things when you have a sense of who you are and just that, that introspection. Um, you also talk about uh, Reed Hastings, who's someone I talk about a lot when I onboard new employees in our culture here. I love when Reed, uh, you tell the story of when uh, Netflix changed their pricing model and had such a horrible reaction from their customers uh, to it. And he, and he opened up and said, we goofed. Oops, we were, we were greedy. We made a mistake, mm-hmm. and we disappointed you, and we're sorry, and we're going back to what we should have done. And uh, look where Netflix is yeah. today, right? So uh, you and PR uh, teach us all the time, all PR is, is good PR. Um, it, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if... Uh, I don't know if everybody feels that way, but uh, it depends what you do. It depends what you do with that PR and how you navigate yourself through the visibility that we create on an individual level from a personal branding yeah. or, or corporate brand. And I think it's how you show up in the moment. So when you do mess up, um, just like you know Netflix did a while back, what's the action then, and how fast do you do it? How fast do you remedy? What do you say? How do you say it? It's very important, and that can also make a difference. No one's going to be perfect, and um, I wouldn't say that getting a, you know all PR is good by any means. But when you do have a negative situation, it's also how you handle it. I yeah. think that's very important. I had a difficult uh, conversation with someone on my team recently, and it was one that you said you're not good in the mornings, right? Nor nor am I. I'm a night no. I'm owl. good in the morning. Oh, you're good in the morning. <laughs> I'm okay. the opposite. Yeah. Even though we share the same birthday and a lot of other things, uh, we're opposites. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a night owl and uh, not good in the mornings. And I had a difficult conversation early in the morning, and and even it wasn't one I was prepared for. Uh, and even though I needed to message this person about what we needed to talk about. It wasn't my finest day. And so when I talked to them later that day, I said, 
look, I, I know as a CEO, you hold a high standard for me. And I know the conversation we had was really difficult this morning. And I just want to say like, it wasn't my best day. It wasn't my best day as a leader to have the conversation the way that we did. So I'd like to come back to the conversation and really make sure that you know what expectations I have and where you're not meeting those expectations and, and what we can do together to, to get you there. And I know that this person appreciated that. And, and again, being authentic and being vulnerable because look, we, we grew into leadership and we weren't necessarily classically trained as leaders. We've had to read books, uh, books like yours, books like others and, and go to courses and, and we fuck up. I mean, we just do like not every day is perfect. We're human beings ourselves and we have, we have bad days. And I, I really respect the leaders that are willing to, um, own up to that. And not, not too many are. And I, we've really tried, I don't know if you uh, read Radical Candor and I've had the folks from there um, on the podcast, but love that book in terms of just how to have very candid conversations with each other, which a lot of people are really, really bad at. It's, it's not easy to have mm-hmm. confrontation or what I like to call carefrontation. You know, it doesn't come natural to people. Absolutely. And, and that was one of my other habits that I had uh, in the book is admit when you're wrong. You know, I, and People appreciate that because you're not going to be right majority of your time. And I think it's really important to go back to that. And, and one other thing I've learned is, you know, as leaders, we're problem solving on the fly all the time. Problem solution, problem solution. I think we really would love that. At least I do. I thrive in problem solving. That's like I get up in the morning. I'm excited to solve problems. I always have, even as a kid. And, um, and what I've learned over the years is when it comes to people, when it comes to leadership or having conversations with employees, um, about topics that mean something to them, you've got to set the time to do that. You've got to bring yourself, your full self to that conversation. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, if you're just doing it like you'd solve a problem, it's not going to come out in the intended way. You're going to say something unnecessary or you're not going to say enough because you're not prepared. And they're going to not, they're going to think you're not taking them, um, as seriously as you should, right? As, as I would with a problem. So I've learned that over the years too, because I've been in situations where I've, you know, talked about someone's career real quick, you know, on a walk or on a plane. And I realized afterwards, you know, they, they needed more from that. They mm-hmm. didn't come away satisfied mm-hmm. and neither did I. So why did we even waste that time? Now there's so many thoughts and emotions flying around. And so I'd have to do the same thing and say, hey, I don't think that went as well as I would have liked. Can we do that over? And let's set a time and put, I'm putting it on my calendar and I'm sending you the invite because I'm taking the time to really do this because you matter to me and I want you to know that you matter to me. And that's something that I've taken away with. And still, I still mess up too. And we'll do things because sometimes you don't have all the time in the world, but it's, um, but taking a step back and realizing the importance of it and setting the right time is, um, I think essential. Love it. Well, thank you on so many fronts. Let me start off with thank you by responding to my outreach on LinkedIn. um, We're all busy, especially in this time. And when I dropped you a note and said, hey, I'd love to talk about your book and love to talk about this topic because I know that so many leaders are being stressed and strained these days, as well as a lot of up and coming leaders are are trying to find their lane and and their skill set. So thank you for doing that. Um, Thank you for joining me and sharing these. I encourage uh, folks, if if leadership's an area that you want to work on and develop, and why shouldn't you? uh, And get a copy of Get Real. Uh, Anna Crow is as you heard on LinkedIn, it's Anna Crow, C-R-O-W-E, with Crow PR. And thank you so much for joining me. And um, you know, maybe we'll get back together and, and dive into uh, 
the other side of the equation, which is how do you manage up? How do you actually get more from your leadership? Uh, and I know that a lot of people struggle with that as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much, David. I really enjoyed chatting with you. And uh, thanks for reaching out um, on a whim. And uh, I'm glad we were able to connect. And who knew we'd have the same birthday? That who is knew? just an incredible coincidence. And I love I'm, it. <laughs> and I'm sure there's more. Well, thank you. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Summer is approaching, and I know we are all anxious to get out in the sun. And uh, you don't you don't need to, uh, you're not breaking any laws to go take a walk get on your bike, take a hike, which I plan on doing tonight. So make sure you get yourself out there. Uh, Take some action away from this podcast today. Do some things differently and get some quiet time with yourself to find your better self and, and understand where your areas of development. We'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.